When someone says something like, there's a podcast about everything, it's just a short way of saying, there's a lot of podcasts out there. And sometimes it has a slightly cynical bent to it. Like, I guess some people think maybe there's too many podcasts or something. But if I said that there's a podcast that's about everything, that takes on a different meaning. And I was thinking, do I want to spend eight years on one story or do I want to do something where like every week could potentially be a new story? And so I decided that I was interested in too many things to be able to just spend that long on one thing. Next, Anissa Halifa takes us inside her podcast, The Broadside. My name is Stuart, and this is Audience, a Cassos original series, where we go behind the scenes of all different kinds of podcasts to uncover their creative process. But before we get to all the creative stuff, here's a quick note for our podcasters out there. Creativity is the most important part of the process, and without it, your podcast or your show won't get very far. But you also need a support system, a.k.a. money. We can help you there. Cassos lets you monetize all of your episodes, even the old ones, with a press of a button. There's no chasing sponsors, no extra editing work, none of the headache. You can even tap into your own support network. Let your audience directly support your podcast through one-time or recurring donations with Cassos Commerce. If you want more information about it, check out the links in our show notes. Okay, let's get back into it. My name is Anissa Khalifa. I am a podcast producer and host at WNC, North Carolina Public Radio, and my podcast is called The Broadside. I don't come from a journalism background. Um, I always wanted to be a writer, and my academic background is in history, diaspora studies, you know, cultural studies. And I was working as a freelancer kind of before I started grad school. I, I, had a, I got a degree in cultural studies from Duke, and it was like specifically Asian cultural studies. And during that time, I also had started a Korean drama podcast with two of my really good friends that I met online through fandom. So we have been doing that now for six years. And that was basically like how I learned everything that I know, most of what I know about podcasting, just through trial and error and just doing it. And so I had been doing that for a few years. And then I kind of thought, okay, so um, I graduated from with my master's uh, in the spring of 2020. So the, the job market was a little strange. And I was still freelancing. Um, but I thought, okay, do I want to go? Do I want to get my PhD? Or do I want to like look for a job? And I just decided that like rather than because I'm in the humanities, so PhD would have taken probably like six, seven, eight years. And I was thinking, do I want to spend eight years on one story or do I want to do something where like every week could potentially be a new story? And so I decided that I was interested in too many things to be able to just spend that long on one thing. So I started applying for audio producer jobs um, and I ended up at WNC. And now she's an award-winning podcast producer at WUNC in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. She's helped make shows like My Muslim Friends. Basically, it's about just Muslim life. Not, you know, um, the, I think the concept is like conversations that you might ho- have over tea. Um, the tagline is whether you have or not you have a Muslim friend, you can find one here, which I think is a really good encapsulation of what Yasmin is trying to do with the show, which is basically like bring people into these conversations that Muslim Americans have. And a lot of times, you know, people have a lot of misconceptions about 
who we are and what we care about and what we believe. And so it's it's a show that was around at WNC before I joined. Um, but it's been really it's been really lovely to work on. Worked on two seasons. And creep. Creep is a show about invasive species. So it's like a little funny. It's a little nerdy. It's a little science. Um, it's really fun because we talk about like animals that are living in places they shouldn't be, but they're living their best lives and uh, taking up space that they probably shouldn't be taking. But her most recent offering, The Broadside, was born out of a show called Tested that Anissa was assigned to when she first started at the station. Tested was already a show at the station. I joined in um, November 2021, but they started it as a COVID updates podcast. And I think in the beginning it was daily and they were just sharing like, what are the latest updates about COVID, how you could protect yourself as it sort of evolved. And we didn't need those, you know, up to the day updates about COVID anymore. It turned into a show that talked about challenging stories about North Carolina and the South. And then when it ended, you know, late last year, my colleagues and I, we wanted to sort of bring back the best of what we were able to do on Tested, which was, you know, explore these news stories. A lot of times that our, you know, reporters maybe had time for, you know, a feature, which often is, you know, four and a half minutes on the radio. Maybe they had more to say about it, or maybe they had more interview tape that they didn't get to use. And then Tested would give them like a bit of a longer runway to tell that story. And sometimes it would give them an, you know, a way to sort of give us a more big picture understanding of the topic. Um, so the broadside kind of came out of that wanting to to continue that spirit of tested and also just like feeling like the show like that is really important for a station like ours, you know, a show that covers in-depth news stories and culture stories that are not just impacting us extremely locally, but, you know, talking about the South. So the broadside kind of came out of us missing what we what we weren't doing anymore when we when we ended tested. And now you've got the broadside, of which Anissa is the host and producer. It's a weekly podcast that recently launched and is described as exploring news stories rooted in the American South and explains how they impact the rest of the country. They cover all kinds of topics like how the word y'all became so common and how the spread of the dollar store affects access to sustainable food. what we have done with the broadside and you know going beyond what we were doing on tested we're not only talking about difficult stories and sad stories we're talking about fun stories and, you know our podcast premiere episode is about y'all and why everyone is saying y'all now and so we wanted to keep it local in its sort of rootedness but also talk about why the stories that matter in North Carolina the stories that matter in the south also ripple across the country right so they're not just a lot of things happen in the South that end up impacting the rest of the country, but the South a lot of times gets ignored except for, you know, when election season comes around and people are talking about, you know, the the voters in Georgia and the, you know, the, it seems like the only time that anyone really is in or in Texas, you know. So I think there are a lot of cultural stories we can tell. There's a lot of news stories we can tell. I think there's also people who live across the country and around the world who have a connection with this region. One of the things that we're doing as well is we're not just reporting our own stories and talking to our reporters in our newsroom. We're also talking to people who are reporting stories in other newsrooms across the South. So um, we did a really cool episode about dollar stores with a reporter who did 
really in-depth reporting for the Gulf States newsroom out of Alabama. It's a well, it's Gulf States newsroom is a is a collaboration between I think three or four newsrooms in that area. But um, one of the things we're doing is collaborating with other newsrooms and sort of providing a place for these stories to live in another medium, whether it was originally a radio story that is now being given a little bit more time in the podcast form, or if it was a print story or like a digital um, article, it's just giving it another life. Yeah. I've heard two of your episodes so far. I got a sneak preview of them. And one of them was very much uh, North Carolina based. This one where you were kind of doing like an in-depth look at the North, uh, the national centers for environmental information, which lifelong North Carolinian, I had no idea that was right right here in the state. Like how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. No idea as well. Yeah. I I think like what we try to do is even if it is a story about North Carolina, we try to highlight why this would matter to, you know, others, people and and how this might be, you know, the same thing might be happening in other places. With this National Center for Environmental Information, it's climate information about, you know, it's climate data about the entire country. It's just stored here. Right. So that has an impact or it can be useful to everybody. I heard someone, the way someone explained storytelling in the South to me is that so many of the challenges that the country as a whole faces kind of happened in the South first in some ways. And we've actually been kind of dealing with it for a long time. Like right now, like we're kind of taking the brunt, at least in America anyway, of climate change. We've had these very, very deep, you know, like racial divides and class divides, which they exist everywhere, but it just seems like they've been more poignant in the South in some respects. And while we're often looked at maybe as some of like the perpetrators of these divisions, and at the same time, like there's a lot of people in the South who have solutions to these problems as well. And it's kind of seems like maybe we're a bellwether for for some of these issues. I think that's that's true. And, you know, we have a lot of um, Superfund sites in the South, for example. We have a lot of military bases in the South. There's a lot of things that are happening in the South that, yeah, that are happening everywhere. And sometimes people, because people have been dealing with them for so long, they have ideas about how to fix some of these issues. And, and I think the South is not uh, often recognized for how much innovation and, you know, like, good ideas come out of here. We we have the, the, you know, like people don't, I mean, you're a Southerner too, you know this, like people don't expect us to do great things. They think of us as being, you know, all the stereotypes. We know the stereotypes about Southerners. Um, but there's a lot of amazing innovation happening. There's a lot of change happening. And I think like North Carolina specifically is transforming very quickly. Um, but there's also a lot of really interesting history here. And I think that people are trying their best not to forget, or at least some people are trying their best not to forget that history as things are changing so quickly and, you know, what we can learn from that history. One of the other things that we're trying to do with the broadside is like put everything in its proper context. You know, everything is whatever happens now, there's a lot of things that happened before that contributed to it. It's not happening in a vacuum. So putting that historical context into the stories that we're that we're covering is really important. And there's also, you know, there's a sort of flattened mainstream idea of history. But if you go back and look, and, and that's one of the beauties of doing something locally or, you know, sort of regionally, is you can uncover those stories that are much less less known, you know, about different communities that have been here maybe for hundreds of years. Like Asian Americans have been 
in the South for hundreds of years, but that's not really something that people think about, you know, when they think of Southerners. So there's a lot of there's a lot of history to uncover and there's a lot of culture that's here now that is like it has long roots. So I mean all of that is really interesting to me. Obviously, I mean, as you as you know from my background, all of that I'm I'm super I'm a new I'm a nerd about all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, such an interesting concept. I mean, you know, we, we were talking earlier about some of the stuff you were producing at WUNC, and substantively, they're all pretty different. But I'm wondering, is there a common thread between all of these shows? I think the common thread in WNC podcasts, and I mean, these are not the only shows we have. We also have the Politics Podcast. We have Embodied. I don't work on those shows, but those are also in the WNC podcasts stable, I guess you could call it, is just curiosity and, you know, ethical journalism and care in the way that we approach our our subjects. I think like, yes, topically, they're very different, but there is a level of just wanting to create something that is informative, but is also fun to listen to and is interesting and engaging. And I think all of our shows succeed in that way obviously i'm biased but you know that's what i think um you know and and also like for me what's really important is bringing people information in a way that's not going to make them feel talked down to or or as you know like you're you want to bring the listener in you don't want to feel like they're being lectured at and i think that's that's a really important quality of and i think that our shows do that it does seem like an angle on some of these shows is also dispelling stereotypes. Is that a fair comparison? Um, I think that's part of it. You know, we're a nonprofit newsroom and we do our best to, you know, always uphold the standards of ethical journalism and like not have, I mean, everyone has a perspective. Obviously you have your own perspective. I think there's a lot of, I mean, there's been a lot of conversations about like, the sort of false promises of objectivity in journalism for the last, you know, for a long, you know, recent years, people have been talking about a lot. I think being honest about what your perspective is and where you're coming from, but also then doing your best to, you know, just report the truth. And when you're not talking specifically in terms of here's what happened, you know, you're not reporting on like an event, but more you're talking about, you know, somebody's experiences and their life, just giving space to people who don't always get to have the mic, you know, because the more different perspectives we hear from, the better our understanding is going to be of like the place that we live. And, you know, WNC is rooted in central North Carolina. And so like we are of this place and we want to be talking to people who are from this place and we want to like represent them properly. I want to talk a little bit about the history of the term broadside. I never knew about this until I heard about your show and I got the, I guess, press release for it. Can you tell me or tell us a little bit about that term broadside, where it comes from? Yeah. So a broadside, I think also known as a broadsheet, they were these big sheets of paper that would be printed off, you know, like back when the printing press was really new, 17, 1800s. And it would just have like a single kind of one one side of the paper and it would be about one topic. Maybe it was um, the lyrics to a song or maybe it was an announcement you know, that would get posted up in the town square about something that was happening. Or maybe it was a political, 
statement of some kind. Um, sometimes it would be news. So we just really loved this. Uh, when we were brainstorming a title, I came across this and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Because what we're doing is we're going to have one topic a week. And we're kind of trying to bring that idea of like a public square where you can talk about an issue that matters to the people who live around you in your community. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with the show. So we 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 felt it would, would be the perfect name. Also, we're like news nerds, so we loved it. <laughs> well, I think the format of a podcast, or at least maybe there's no such thing as a, as a podcast format or one format, but the medium, I'll say, of a podcast, I think really fits, I think, this idea pretty well because as you know maybe coming from radio and i do too that it's really hard to get in depth sometimes into a subject or a news item or a current event just because of the nature of radio you got a lot to cover in a short amount of time and you've got to stick to that format podcasting breaks down all those barriers and really lets you kind of just really kind of get into a subject a little bit yeah, I mean, it was something that we were already doing with Tested was, you know, like we already if we already had a reporter who had done all of the work, who had, you know, gone and written a story and had the story on the radio. But, you know, sometimes they would only get a couple of minutes or maybe, you know, four minutes or six minutes, however much time. And it gave us it gave that story a little bit more room to breathe. We could feature more voices of, you know, more interviews. And so that was something that we really loved about that. And we wanted to continue with this show. And it does because you don't, I think you can get more of the reporter's voice as well. You can get more of the reporter's process and their approach to the story and you can get more context. So for example, there's an upcoming interview that we have that's going to be coming out later in the year. Um, this one is not one that you got a chance to listen to, but it's about um, there's an, um, a ProPublica investigation um, about this. It's a it's a law that basically required from the 90s that, you know, indigenous people's remains be returned to them. And they did a huge sort of um, expose on how like so few of these uh, people's ancestors had actually been returned to them. And so like we had um, our a reporter from our newsroom um, collaborated with someone at um, Blue Ridge Public Radio, and they did this really wonderful story about it. Um, but when we got to talk to both of them, they were able to give us more context, um, especially the reporter from uh, BPR, who um, Lily Knapp, who has reported on indigenous issues a lot. And she knows a lot about, you know, how these communities in Western North Carolina are like on a daily basis sometimes, like things are being sort of uncovered that then they have to figure out how do we do, you know, maybe you're building something and you, un, you know, just accidentally uncover what might be a burial site. So we were able to get that context into the conversation. Whereas if you're only doing a, a story that's going to be like three or four minutes on the radio, you don't really have time to get into all of that, you know, and you don't necessarily have time to get into the history and the, you know, you know, what's been happening for a hundred years and what do those communities want in the future? And like, there's so much more context that you can bring. And so that's something that I think is really valuable for us as a station that brings people the news, that they're not just getting, I think the breaking news that people get on the radio every day is really important and it helps keep people stay informed. And also a lot of times people don't have time for more than that. But then if they do want to have, you know, a deeper look and they want to, you know, listen to it on their own time and they can, then they can listen to the podcast. 
yeah, it's really it's really cool. I mean, I think just from what I've heard and what you've described, I mean, I think it's easy to or safe to say that this is a pretty collaborative process. Uh, but maybe can we break down some of the roles that people on the team have? Because it's not just you and it's not just, you know, you chatting to somebody. It's it's pretty involved. Absolutely. We have. So I'm the host. Um, I also produce the show. And then we have our producer, Charlie Shilton Ormond, who also does a lot of reporting for, um, you know, so for example, the the program, the episode about the National Center for Environmental Information, that was basically like he did all of that. Um, it's really his his baby, that episode. Um, our editor is Jared Walker. Um, we have a couple of engineers that work on it. They help us, you know, in this when we're in the studio, kind of make sure everything sounds good. And then we have a couple of additional colleagues who are not going to be on the show every week, but occasionally they'll bring stories. Um, that's Elizabeth Friend and Kamaya Truitt. Really, also like really great stories from them. And I, I like it is very collaborative. You know, we talk about the stories. I'm the sort of the face, <laughs> but we we are a small team, which is nice for, in the sense that we are able to talk about everything and we have a really unified vision. Um, and they're really very smart and very capable, talented people. So I'm honored to be working with them. But we all kind of bring our own experiences to the, because we all come from different backgrounds. We have our own perspectives and experiences that we bring, but we all kind of want the show to go in the same direction, which is really important as well. Everybody is on the same road. So you don't have someone trying to like take you in one direction. Yeah, and I like that you said you're bringing people in from other newsrooms all over the region. Uh, what's it been like to work with some of these outside reporters? Yeah, it's been really great. We, we Basically, we will reach out to them if we see a story that they are working on, or sometimes if we, you know, we've kind of unofficially been talking to them, if it's somebody that we already have contact with, and we, and we are trying, you know... Um, some of them are local in North Carolina, some of them are in other states, and if they are interested... And we're also interested, then we'll invite them on and we'll do an interview um, in radio, you know, in the radio lingo, it's a two way. Um, and, you know, if they're local, then we can record the interview in person in our studios. If it's not local, then we can remotely connect to them. Um, and yeah, I, we'll just like sit down with them and basically just ask them to tell us about their story. Um, and if they're, they have some tape to share with us, we can, you know, include that in the in the episode as well well it, it gives i think maybe some personality to reporters and i think it's the it's also sort of what your listener is asking you to do right so what your audience is asking from you when they're listening to the radio is i think different from what an audience is looking for when they're listening to a podcast so those so you're kind of in line with those expectations so if you're you know a radio host um people don't necessarily want your personality and your they don't necessarily want to know if you're having a you know a good day or <laughs> you know that 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 doesn't really matter to them they just want the news um i actually i listened to an interview um i think that jesse thorne did with audie cornish a few years back because i was just i i love the sort of behind the scenes how you know i'm sure you do too because you're, you're that's what you do but like just Listening to people who do interviews for, for a living, how they sort of approach it. And she was saying like she approaches it as, and I mean, this is when she was still doing all things considered. I think probably things are different on her new show. But she was saying like, it's not about me. Like, I'm just bringing the information to the person who's listening to me. So they don't need me to 
inject any of my personality in there. Whereas in a podcast, I think the sort of unspoken contract between the host and the listener and like the producers and the listener is a little different, right? Like people are, I think, looking for more personality. They don't really want to hear the newscaster voice in their podcasts, whereas they probably prefer it in their newscast, right? I'm, I'm assuming. One uh, that I haven't got to hear yet, but I am excited to hear this one about the uh, the Robesonian takeover. Uh, what can we expect to hear in that episode? Yeah, so for this one, um, Charlie, our producer, talked to uh, Sarah Nagam, who works at the Border Belt Independent, which is another outlet here in North Carolina. Um, and she basically covered this, uh, well, a hostage situation that happened in a newsroom 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Um, and it was basically these two Native American men who were like, there's a lot of corruption in Robinson County. Nothing is happening. We've been trying to raise the alarm. So we're going to do something drastic. And what they did was take over a newspaper, the Robinsonian newspaper. Um, and it's, it's a wild story. So this reporter basically talked to the, you know, one of the people who perpetrated that and also some of the reporters that were there at the time and talked about like the legacy of that day what happened how people feel about it now very interesting it's a it's a gripping story yeah sounds sounds like it i've got that one I'm, I'm waiting on that one to come out i'm really excited for it any other ones that you're particularly jazzed about i mean i'm sure all of them are very special to you in one way or another so there's this one, um, it's going to be our third episode. It's actually about the rise of Asian American studies in the South. And I've been working on it for, it's a story I've been working on reporting for like over a year at this point. But it's basically about, so the movement for Asian American studies started in the 60s, right? During the civil rights movement. It was part of this movement for ethnic studies that really started in California. And over the years, I mean, it got established in California around that time and there's been kind of waves of activism for, for Asian American studies in different parts of the country, but the South has really lagged behind. And it's only in the last like three or four years that we've seen like a lot of schools finally actually start programs and offer, you know, you know, minors and majors. And it's just a few schools, but there's like finally some momentum. Um, and I wanted to, and it's, it's personal for me as well, because like I was as a student, I was involved in that movement. So it's definitely a different story in the sense that like I am a little bit of an insider in that story. But yeah, that one's really close to my heart. And that one's almost more like an audio documentary almost. So spent a lot of time on that one. Almost every podcast consultant out there will tell anyone trying to start a podcast to find their niche, you know, find something very specific target an audience, and make something they'll like. And that's not bad advice for someone first starting out. But for a seasoned storyteller like Anissa, who loves a lot of different things and is really good at using audio to tell stories, maybe her niche is just good storytelling. It turns out there's an audience for that, and Anissa and her team at WUNC deliver for them every single time. The Broadside can be found anywhere you get your podcast and online at wunc.org. And now it's time for our podcasting tip, where our guests share some advice with the rest of us. Hey, y'all. I'm Anissa Khalifa from the podcast The Broadside, and my podcasting tip is 
prepare ahead of time so that you can be in the moment when you're recording. And that's especially true if, you know, I've worked on narrative podcasts and interview and sort of like chat podcasts. But I think especially when you're having a conversational or an interview format, I find that having a really well-prepared document or some kind of, you know, outline for myself means that I'm not like trying to think of things in the moment. I already know all of this or the references or like the topics or, you know, the thoughts, the random thoughts that I had at 2 a.m. that I was like, oh, really want to ask this person about this or I want to talk to this person about that. It's already there. So I can like quickly refer to it. But then when I'm talking, I can just like be in the moment with that person and be really listening fully. So that's my tip. It's a good one. Thank you. Audience is a Castos original series. Our founder and executive producer is Craig Hewitt. Production assistance is provided by Esel Brill, Jocelyn DeVore, and Marnie Hills. Our website and logo design is courtesy of Francois Brill, our head of product here at Castos. All music comes from the Storyblocks Library. This episode was written, edited, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Stuart Barefoot. Check out audiencepodcast.fm for more episodes or just search for it anywhere you get your podcasts. Next time on Audience, I talk to Beth Ann Patrick from the podcast Missing Pages. You know, let's face it. People might not be reading in print the same way they once did. People love audiobooks. Why shouldn't a podcast like an old-fashioned newspaper serial novel a la Dickens, why shouldn't a podcast be like that?